Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, you want to turn to me, turn with me to um, 1 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 11, although we will be find a little bit of Luke, a little bit of Genesis, Revelations, Isaiah today. We're going to be all over the place as we take time to look and prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper. I think there's significance that we don't want to lose as we prepare for this time. And uh, it, it was interesting as we started in the midst of COVID and uh, social distancing, something that was on our heart is how powerful and how important taking the Lord's Supper is and that that you and I aren't supposed to do it lightheartedly we're not supposed to taking it take it in, in any way that's not completely centered on God and so our hope was that we would be taking the Lord's Supper uh, when all this was over just a couple of months in or something along those lines and and this week as I have been in times of prayer and just reading and listening and talking to folks uh, it, it's more important than ever that you and I remember that we're part of the whole that God didn't make us um, to be an outlier. Even when Jesus sent his disciples out, it, it wasn't so that they would start something new on their own. It wasn't so that they would begin something on their own. They were always a part of the whole. And there's some significance in remembering that. In just a few weeks, my daughter heads off to college. Ashley's getting ready, and we go drop her off uh, in the middle of August in college. And, and once she goes there, one of the things that we have just shared with her over and over is not for, to forget what she's a part of. When Connor goes back to school, when school kicks up and everything's going to be different, I, what we've shared with him is don't forget when you're out there, you're, you're not on your own. You're a part of the whole. You're a part of our family. And, and in the middle of all of this distancing, the first few months is we were pushing it really hard. But it really seems like the further we get into social distancing and strategies, it's just easy to forget the significance of remembering that you and I are part of something more, that we're part of someone bigger than just ourselves. Listen to what Isaiah says. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1 through 3, the Lord writes these words or inspires Isaiah to write these words. It says, In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. We've set up, he sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. And when Isaiah's writing this, and he's writing this to Judah, he's reminding them in the midst of what they're going through and what they're about to go through, that there will come a day that in the day when the Lord returns, in the day when his Messiah is set up on, on his throne, in the day that that happens, that a new song will inhabit the people of Judah, God's people. And this song is about a city. It's about the strength and the, and the power, not of the people, but it's about the strength and the power of the safety that the Lord provides. He says, when the nations come in, praise the Lord, they are coming in not to just a party, but it says that they are coming in to a city with walls and bulwarks. The, the idea is that you and I would see what they saw. You see, what the Lord is telling you and I is that when the Lord comes back, when his return is coming, when his Messiah is there, that we should understand that we have been called into a fortified place of refuge. 
And that these gates aren't open to everybody. You can't just come and go, so to speak. These gates aren't open to the enemies of the Lord. These gates aren't open to those who neglect his name. This is a place of salvation. And, and we often can think of salvation in terms of quarantine, like, Lord, I just don't want to be holed up in my house for, that, for eternity. That would be a bad day. The Lord's giving us this picture of this grand city that everything about that place reminds us that the Lord has set up salvation for every single person who resides in that place. And then the shout goes out, open the doors, open the gates to the righteous nation that that keeps faith because they may enter in. In other words, the idea is, man, if we are right in our relationship with God, the doors that are open, not for the enemy of the Lord, will be open wide for you. And, and as I read through that, the promise of verse three rested on me for the Lord's Supper. It says, you, talking about the Lord, you keep him who's part of the righteous nation that keeps faith, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You see, as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, that reality sets up the foundation, the introduction for taking the Lord's Supper today. You see, what the Bible says is, for the man who, who is in, for the woman who is in the city, who's surrounded by the strength of God Almighty, for you the Lord keep that person in perfect peace no matter what's going on no matter what the threat is no matter what's happening in your life no matter what's showing up on the news no matter what's showing up in your feed no matter what fears are in your heart that you haven't shared to a single person that the Lord says I have a place of perfect peace for you to settle in it doesn't mean that the storms don't rage. The picture is Jesus sleeping on the boat with the storms raging around. He's in perfect peace. Why? Because he trusts in the Lord. How can you and I trust in the Lord with that much power, with that much realization? Well, it's not anything that you and I do to cause him. His answer is simple. Stay with me. Stay with me. Keep your mind resting upon me. Keep your mind established on me. Think of what we talked about in Matthew chapter 7. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You and I have a home that will withstand anything, not because of the construction that we do, but because it stays on the rock. So what does the Lord's Supper remind us to do? Today it reminds us to remember. And I don't know if you've had time through all of this season to look back, whether Facebook's flashing up memories or whether uh, it's on your phone going through things. But, but as we've gone through the summer, I've probably looked at more pictures from the past than ever before. And each pre picture brings that memory fresh to the forefront. Do you have that? Is there a scent in your house? I, I can tell you the perfume that Christy wore when we first started dating. Every time I smell it, even now, I can be out in the middle of the mall. If that particular brand of perfume shots up, I am looking for my wife. And I'm not just looking for her. I'm remembering the feeling, the passions that came, especially in that time of, of courtship and dating and leading up to marriage, just thinking, ah, oh, that anticipation, just that smell. 
it brings all of it back to remembrance. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have a place that every time you drive by it, you remember something? Do do you have a, a, a word that every time you say it, you think about it? I could give you examples day in and day out of those things that happen in my family, but, but I don't want to pull you from that. You see, the Lord's Supper is here to help us remember, just like that perfume reminds me, just that, like that place reminds you, just like that phrase comes into you. You see, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is that we might remember in, in 1 Corinthians, what Connor read in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he given thanks, he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper. The cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, Remembrance of me. Verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul says over and over and over, every time this do this, it's full remembering. Every time you drink this, it's full remembering. Every time we're together and we're taking the Lord's Supper, it's remembering. It's not remembering what it feels like to come to church. It's not about remembering what you're supposed to do tomorrow uh, at work. It's about remembering what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, and what Christ will do. It's almost like he puts that push pin in the Lord's Supper at the top of all of your to-do lists, so that no longer what you put, no matter what you write down, at the very top, it's don't forget what I have done for you, what I am doing for you, and what I will do for you. In the Jewish culture, we had this, this idea of, a, of apostate or being apost- practicing apostasy comes up. And we, we don't use that word very much today, but we see it happen all over, all over the place. The idea of apostasy means someone turning their back, turning away, forgetting, leaving behind the faith that they once claimed. That's what the word apostasy means. Over the past year, my heart is broken as I have seen individuals and pastors. They have forgotten, they have let go of the faith which they once had. How can that happen? How can we forget? Well, if our heart doesn't stay stayed on the Lord It's easy to start feeling distant, isn't it? I mean, process this. Five months ago, back in March, the idea of being away from brothers and sisters in Christ would have been unthinkable for thousands of Christians around the world, hundreds of Christians that are a part of our church. But five months in, have you kept contact? Have you made the intentional step like you would have five months ago to join in Bible study with other believers because you knew how important it was? It was a part of your routine. If you would have been told five months ago, you will not be doing it. In fact, you may have a desire not to do it because you're tired or worn out or it just doesn't carry the same punch. Have you ever, would you ever have thought that you would have woken up this morning with an excuse why not to be in Bible study? 
It's amazing how when you and I stop remembering and the potency of that memory fades, how impactful forgetting is on our life. If you think about when your mind wanders from your relationship with your husband to your wife, is it normally when you've gotten distant and forgotten the gift of God that you have? And your call and your passion that the Lord put on your heart for what you're, you're to do, whether that's in the refinery or in the classroom, have you allowed that fear to become your focus and you have forgotten the passion of your calling? You see, the Lord says, that's, that's it. When you remember the covenant that I have established, when you remember how my body was broken for you so that the gates could be wide and that you could come into the bulwarks, into the holy relationship with me, when you take the Lord's Supper, that vision, that imagery should, should stay in your mind. So when we take the Lord's Supper, it's not a routine, it's a renewing. It's like putting gas in your car to make sure it keeps running, keeping the oil changed. The idea, the Lord says, when we take the Lord's Supper is so that we don't let go to the fear or the discouragement or the selfishness that this world tries to offer us instead. When we take the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder to remember. And it reminds us what Christ has done. Have your days started running together in the middle of all of this? Are you with me? Do you sometimes have to remind yourself if it's Friday or Saturday? That's probably the most common thing in our home. As school has now been out for what seems like about 307 years right? As, as work patterns has changed, as we've been on, have you ever looked down at your watch and you're working at home and realized not only have you missed dinner, but it's 10 o'clock? Have things started running together for you? This is a way that, that life works without our compass, without our, our eye set on the marker, isn't it? When you go into the office, you know what time eight o'clock is, if that's your come to office time, and you know what time five o'clock happens, you're amazingly aware of that framework. But when we've been pulled out of that framework, days start running together, work hours start running together. You're not sure if you just woke up or if it's time to go to bed. Does that happen? If you're a parent of little children, have you struggled with that with your children to kind of keep a routine? Like early on, you were to it, and then somewhere along the way, it just started getting muddy. You see, when we do that, we forget the work that's been done. We, we forget this idea that Christ has done something in our life spiritually. See, what Scripture says is that Jesus has made us new. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But when we forget, we just say, I don't want to, I don't feel like it, I don't know why. 
You see, what, what Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When we forget what Christ has done, we don't think we're a new creation. We're just tired of the same old thing. We just find ourselves falling into this mundane dundrum of time. We, we start to allow what others say to impact us instead of realizing that the newness that we have is from Christ. You see, what Christ did in breaking of the bread and giving of the juice and dying on the cross and raising again, it was not a new thing. This was not an out-of-the-character thing for the way that God works. It was the greatest thing. But Jesus and the Lord, they have been making newness since creation. Out of nothing, the Lord spoke the world into existence. Out of nothing new. Jacob going to find a wife in a new land. He sees a rock. He lays his head on a rock. It's a nothing place. In that moment, the Lord gives him a vision of this ladder and he makes him a promise about his life and about that place. And when Jacob leaves, that place is no longer dirt and a rock. It's a new place, a reminder of the promise of God. Joshua, when he's following Moses around, he's just an understudy. But when the Lord says, you're not just an understudy, I'm making you new. I will be with you just like I was with Moses. I'm giving you a new purpose. David, from the shepherd fields to the king, I made you new. Daniel, from captive to advisor, I made you new. We can go with the story. Paul, from a persecutor to a preacher. Matthew, from a tax collector to the most generous, life-sharing gospel believer. Jesus has always been about making something that was worthless, that was losing meaning into something new. And that's what the Lord's Supper reminds us of. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm sure of this, Paul writes, that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ. Church, you and I, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper this morning, we are still being made new. It is in line. It's not out of character. It's always what our Lord has been about. And I get it. When you and I find ourselves pulled back from the body, when you and I find ourselves engaged and surrounded by the thoughts of our life, by the sounds of other voices, and we have lost the pen at the top of our paper that says, don't forget who I am and what I've done, Jesus. Man, it's so amazing to think that life is about these few moments now. And when that happens, selfishness in the form of fear, depression, anger, violence, worldly reconciliation starts to define us because we have forgotten 
that we have been made new. And so we take the Lord's Supper today to remind us of the work of Christ. But the work of Christ is not just what he's done or what he's doing. It's about what he will do. Listen to what Psalm 23 says. The, the, you, you know this, right? This starts, the Lord is my shepherd. Listen to verse 5. It says, you prepare before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You prepare this table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I want you to check this out. The victory that Jesus Christ has won on the cross, the victory that Jesus Christ wants us to remember every time we drink the juice, every time we take the bread, is that he invites us publicly he wants the world to see the power of the gospel in your life and whether you're struggling physically emotionally mentally spiritually in your family at work whether you're struggling with with passion whether you're struggling with anger the Lord says, I am calling my own, the righteous one, the one with whom I am the shepherd of, the one I have died for and risen for, who has received my invitation, my righteous nations. I want the world to see that my people, that they are not only different, but they are blessed. That invitation to dine at the table in the presence of the world is the glory of God being exposed to the enemies of the Lord and to those who are not even yet followers. It's a public invitation. When you and I take the Lord's Supper, we remember that our life is not our own. And that's a good thing because the victory in the future. This year as we started our theme we looked at Revelation chapter 19 and we looked ahead to that victory. It says this in verse six, and I heard what seemed like to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God reigns, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult. Let us give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with, with fine linen, pure and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these words... They're the true words of God. What the Lord says through his angel inspiring John is this, is that those who are called to the table of the Lamb, that they are blessed. Let the whole world know it. When you and I take the Lord's Supper together, we are reminded that we have a seat. Not because there's power in a symbol, but the symbol reminds us of the power of the Almighty who is able to make old things new, to make the dead come to life, to make dry bones have flesh, to make dead stories alive, to sing a new song. There's victory ahead. And it's better than the victory we've even tasted or seen. When we take the Lord's Supper, we remember that the world around us is not only not our home, 
It is the place the Lord has allowed his people to be so that we can make the real home known. How does perfect love cast out fear? Because perfect love extends the invitation that has not been forgotten that there is nothing to fear, that death has no bond. Why? Because we are blessed to know that our future is the victory of Christ. In 1 Corinthians, Paul gives this warning in verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of Christ. So let a person examine himself and then eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's a big deal. You see, Paul knew it, that the symbol of a wafer and of juice, it was more than what we hold. It was about the content of our heart. So today, as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, how do we remember what the way is that's worthy? I was drawn to Revelation chapter 22. Verse 17 says this, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty Come, let the one who desires to take water of life without price, I warn everyone who hears the prophecy of the book, who adds to them, God will add to them the plagues described in the book. If anyone takes away from these words of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life. Don't forget, in the holy city, which are described in this book, he who testifies to these things says, surely I promise I am coming soon. Amen. John writes. Come, Lord Jesus. How do we take the Lord's Supper in a worthy way? Because we come. We call out for his coming. We, we allow our hearts to be at the forefront of our life in the hand of our Savior. Church, this morning, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I encourage you to use these next few moments to take the Lord's Supper in a worthy fashion. To take the Lord's Supper in a way where your mind is set on Him, where your heart is stayed on Him. This morning, maybe you've been discouraged. This morning, maybe you have felt like your world is falling apart and your days are running together. Church, this morning, we take the Lord's Supper to remember. More beautiful than the perfume of my would-be bride to remember. Sweeter than the honey and that flavor that drenches your lips when you think about the word. We remember. We remember what Christ has done and the victory that Christ will do, we remember. So I want you to use these next moments as I pray to prepare your heart to join your family in celebrating what God has done. 
If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if your heart is not right with him, use the next few moments to confess it, to put him at the forefront. If you're a believer and you have children in the home who aren't followers of Christ, don't take the Lord's Supper lightly. Use it as a time to share true love with your children. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the grace that you've put on us. Lord, as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, Lord, would you allow us to remember? Lord, I, I pray right now that the days wouldn't run together for just a moment. Lord, I pray right now that the, the burdens of life that have tracked us, that have trapped us, that is, have been our focus, what we have been trying to avoid, Lord, I pray right now that those would move away and you would help us to remember. So Lord Jesus, this morning prepare our hearts as we come. In Jesus' name, amen.